For the last several weeks, we have been talking about living the abundant life. We've been talking about living the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live. The life that Jesus came to provide for us. And tragically, in spite of the fact that Jesus came to this earth and that he went to the cross and that he died there, so often we're not living that abundant life. Now, one thing to be sure, all of us have our aches and pains. And if we are honest, with ourselves and with each other and honest before God, we are interested in our own aches and pains more than we are interested in the aches and pains of others. If you doubt the validity of that, next time you're at a party or just some other kind of function or you're in in with a group of people having dinner, The conversation at some point is going to lag. It always does. And when it does, just mention the particular ailment that one of your friends or acquaintances in the group is suffering from. And then watch just how quickly the ice is broken and the conversation resumes as we start talking about that particular ache and pain. Does the name William Sidney Porter sound familiar to any of you? He was a licensed pharmacist. At one time, he worked in the general land office of the state of Texas. He also worked for a time at the First National Bank of Austin, Texas, and he worked there as a teller. And some funds ended up missing, and uh, William Sidney Porter actually served time in prison because he embezzled funds from the First National Bank of Austin. He actually made off with the astronomical sum of $854.08. Now, does it ring a bell as to who William Sidney Porter was? Well, then maybe you would recognize his pen name. O. Henry. He was a prolific writer of short stories during the 19th century. Well, O. Henry had a little story, a humorous little story entitled, Makes the Whole World Kin. And it's, it's fun to read. It's about a man that was burglarizing a house. And he flashed a light on a man in bed, and he said to the man in bed, Put up your mitts. The man in bed, we'll call him, for lack of a better term, the victim. He, he lifted up his right hand. And he said, the burglar said, well, put up the other. You might be amphibious and be able to shoot me with either hand. Can't put the other hand up, came the laconic reply. Why can't you? I have rheumatism in my left shoulder. The would-be burglar looked at him thoughtfully and then relaxed. He said, it's a good thing for you, me and rheumatism is old pals. And it was at that point that the burglar and the would-be victim 
began to discuss the mutual symptoms and the various symptoms of their mutual affliction of rheumatism. They went on discussing how that the effects of a change in the weather would have on them and discussed the merits of various remedies for rheumatism, things like rattlesnake oil, essence of evergreen, pots, pain pulverizer, and so on. And the natural antipathy between the burglar and the victim was forgotten. Do you know why? Because they were enjoying the thrill of the discussion that they were having about their common disease and its remedies. As I said earlier, that's something that interests all of us because all of us have our aches and our pains. That's to say there's something wrong with every one of us. Not a single one of us in this room is 100% fit and hale and hearty. Now, in our day and time, there are lots of folks that make every attempt to stay fit physically. I saw a sign the other day in a, in a gift shop. I started to buy it to put on my desk. It said, I just ran my first marathon this morning. Then it says, just kidding, I just ate my third cupcake. But, you know, there are a lot of folks that, that, that want to stay fit physically. They eat all the right foods. They get plenty of sleep and plenty of exercise. They have a checklist and they do everything by the numbers to be physically fit, to be healthy. Now, admittedly, there are some, me not being one, who are in great shape physically. Those who are classified as being physically fit. The sad thing is that I would venture to say that all of us are below par spiritually. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's not a startling statement to us. The tragedy is that in our day and time, in this 21st century, people are not keenly conscious of sin. And we've come to think that our decent sins and our respectable sins don't really count for much. But suppose instead of saying all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we state that all have broken the laws of spiritual health and are therefore not as fit and strong as they might be. Well, to that we would say a hearty amen. Whatever the state of our physical health might be, we know that we're not living as abundantly as we might live spiritually. And so we're interested in what the wise man says in our text that comes from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. 
I personally like the reading in Moffat's translation. A merry or a cheerful heart helps and heals. The wise man is simply saying, if you want a good medicine, try a cheerful heart. You know, you think about that. It's a remedy that's easy to take. And it's pleasant in its after effects. You ever had a medicine that was hard to take? Maybe a liquid medicine that just tasted so bad you couldn't get it down? Or maybe a capsule that was about the size of your thumb and you're wondering, how am I going to swallow that? Back when Bryant was in junior high, he had a kidney issue that they had diagnosed at Children's Medical Center and Dr. Kwan told him he had to take 12 fish oil tablets a day. That child started sweating at the end of a long, hot day. He smelled like some overripe fish almost. And he hated them. And they were big capsules and he couldn't swallow them. But religiously, he would take those tablets and he would go in his room. We thought he was... When we moved out of our house in Marshall, we were shocked at the number of fish oil capsules that we found stuck in various places all over that room, hidden where he didn't take it. Because it was medicine that was hard to take. But the wise man said, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It's easy to take. And it's pleasant in the side effects. Sometimes... When the doctor prescribes you a prescription or medicine, read the side effects of that medicine. On second thought, don't. Because if you read the side effects, you'll never take it. And besides that, the first side effect is counteracted by the second side effect. And the third side effect and the fourth side effect are exactly opposites. They all have side effects. Sometimes it seems like if you have the side effects, it might be worse than the original ailment. But a cheerful heart. Folks, I have never known anybody to be hurt by that remedy. I've never known anybody that was hurt because they had a cheerful heart. It's good medicine. And it's good medicine because it works. There are times when the very best of physicians are baffled. How many times have you seen a doctor say, well, take this for a couple of weeks and then we'll see how that works. And then they come back, well, that didn't do too well. Let's try this for two weeks. And try. How many times have we seen doctors try a different medicine three or four times trying to find a remedy that will work? And oftentimes there are a lot of different medications that won't work. Here is a medication that never fails to help. 
And it's true regardless of what the disease is that we might be suffering from. Even if our malady is physical, a cheerful heart is going to help us. There is not a fiber in this body that's not affected by the mind. And every physician and every psychiatrist knows that a cheerful heart is good medicine in the treatment of physical disease. Now, don't misunderstand me and don't think I'm going to start practicing medicine without a license. I'm not saying, nor do I mean, that cheerfulness is a cure-all. I don't mean that if someone is only cheerful, they need never die. I'm saying the wise man in the long ago said, a cheerful heart will do us good. There are thousands of people, thousands of sufferers, whose sickness could vanish at the coming of a cheerful heart as darkness vanishes with the coming of the sunlight. There are those who die every year, not because their physical ailments are incurable, but because they lack the healing medicine of a cheerful heart. Because they've lost heart and they've lost hope. And they feel like it's futile to go on living because there's nothing left to live for. And all of us have known folks like that. My great-grandmother, we called her Granny Gaskin. She was one of those. My mother used to talk about the fact that when she first met Granny Gaskins, when they moved to Marshall and she was a teenager, and 1946, they went over to see Granny Gaskins. My daddy took her to meet his grandmother. And they walked up. She's sitting in a rocking chair on the front porch. And my daddy says, Granny, how you doing? Well, J.R., I'm just sitting here waiting to die. And you know that's what happened to her? Twenty-five years later, I was a pallbearer at her funeral. Bless her heart, she sat on that front porch, and then she sat in the back porch, and then she sat in the nursing home for 25 years, and all Granny ever did was just wait to die. And there's a lot of folks like that. A cheerful heart doeth good like a medicine. It doesn't just affect the patient either. It affects others as well. When I take a dose of medicine, who does it affect? Me and me alone. If I take the bracing medicine of a cheerful heart, the good effects of that cheerful heart are not just confined to me. It gives me something to share. And you know something? Oftentimes that's what people need more than anything else. There's a lot of people in our world today that are having a hard time. Every day we come in contact with folks that have all the discouragement they need and then some. And face it, we rub elbows with enough killjoys to make life just a little bit difficult sometimes. There are folks whose fingers are as nimble in stealing away our sunshine and laughter as the fingers of a skilled pickpocket at lifting our wallet.
gloom is contagious. And you and I can steal the sunshine from our neighbor's sky without any effort at all. But if gloom is contagious, thank God so is joy and happiness and a cheerful heart. We need a firm conviction in our hearts that this remedy of a cheerful heart, a merry heart, is a remedy that's within our reach. We're not being offered a pot of gold at the end of some rainbow. It's not some fountain of youth that we can never find. But you know what? I've come across a lot of folks in this world that it seems utterly incredible to have a merry heart. It's easy for some desperate souls to hear this idea of a cheerful heart is within our reach with resentment rather than hope. There might be some might be some right here that would think about me almost half angrily right now. Or you wouldn't talk to me about a cheerful heart if you knew the grim tragedy stalking my steps. Like that old song, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. Did you read the bulletin? If nobody knows the trouble you've seen, you don't live in a small town. But some folks might say, Oh, there's no way I can be cheerful. You just don't know what all I've had happen to me. It's easy for you. It's easy for somebody like you to talk about cheerfulness and happiness with glib assurance and cheerfulness. But you wouldn't be that way if life had done to you what it's done to me. You don't have any idea what I've been through. You don't have any idea what I'm going through right now. I'll give you the fact that there's some solid sense in those statements. Up to a point. I'm aware that there are some that are in situations of which I have had little or no experience. But as Granddaddy used to say, I'd bet you dollars to donuts that I've been through some deep waters you don't know about either. That said, I still maintain with complete confidence. Listen to me. A cheerful heart is within the reach of every one of us. Folks, that kind of cheerfulness is not just a matter of temperament. Temperament can help, but it's not enough. And that cheerful heart is not a product of circumstances. I'm aware that there are circumstances that make having a cheerful heart a little bit easier. But there's no set of circumstances that can guarantee the attainment of a cheerful heart. If a cheerful heart was born solely of our circumstances, 
It would be really easy to divide the cheerful from the cheerless. Because all you've got to do is put the successful, the prosperous, the healthy, and socially prominent on one side, and they're cheerful. And the sick, the misfits, the poverty-stricken, and, and the others on the other side because they're not cheerful. But guess what? That doesn't work. We would find some of the most wretched people you've ever seen in your life among some of those that the world considers highly successful. And you'd find some of the gladdest and happiest hearts among those that by the world's standards are considered to be failures. The high attainment of a cheerful heart is the result of a cause. The law of sowing and reaping operates here like it does everywhere else. So because of that, we can't attain this goal of a cheerful heart by merely shutting our eyes to the grim and ugly facts of life. Some may achieve a certain kind of cheerfulness by denying what they know to be true. But a cheerful heart, folks, that's the result of an inward cause. It's the result of a reason from inside. If we're going to have real cheer, we have to have inward peace. We have to rid our souls of whatever civil war might be raging in our souls. We've got to give up our grudges, our hates. We've got to turn loose of the past. I've seen sick folks and I've seen poor folks who were very cheerful of heart. Write this down. It's on the final exam. I have never yet in my life found a happy hater. It's impossible. So all of this brings us to the question, how do we have this cheerful heart? How do we find this inward peace? This inward peace comes from Jesus Christ. The supreme secret of joy is a wholehearted dedication to God. And I can say this with perfect conviction, that every life that's dedicated to Jesus Christ is a joyful life. Every life where Jesus is Lord and Master of that life is a joyful life. If that life is not joyful, then Jesus really isn't Lord and Master of your life. To have that inward peace, to possess that cheerful heart, we've got to be living God's kind of life. We've got to be living with Jesus as the Lord and Master of our lives. We have to have believed in Him with all of our heart, and we have to have turned our back on sin through repentance, and we have to have confessed His name and been buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. But having done all that, we have to continue living His kind of life. 
if you need to make changes, to make Jesus the Lord and Master of your life, to find that inward peace, to have that merry heart, now's the time to do it as we stand together and while we sing this song.